0: Here's my conversation with Naz Delam. Naz is a UI engineer at Netflix. She's also a career coach, mentor, and speaker. We talk about job hunting, technical interviews, and how to grow as a software engineer. I really enjoyed this conversation with Naz and I hope you do too. To get started, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Naz,
1: Um, currently I work at Netflix as a UI engineer. I work as a Netflix production engineering team, which we are responsible for everything that goes into our production system, bringing the code, UI code to the standard and dealing with production hard problems. That's basically what our team does. In short, I think we are DevOps for UI. That's, That's how I see it. And I see more of these patterns coming up. On the side, I do a lot of mentorship. Um, currently, I'm on mentor crews, coaching a lot of engineers in tech who wants to either pivot or become senior engineers. They have different goals, and I'm totally enjoying doing mentorship on the side. And I'm a, I'm a puzzle-holic person. So this week, I actually chose a Lego Lunar. A NASA collection to actually start to put together. But um, when I'm not working or mentoring, you can find me either reading a lot
0: of books or doing a lot of puzzles. Um, I wanted to go back to kind of the start of your journey. Can you tell us how you started getting into tech and when you got into it?
1: Yeah, so for me was a very traditional path. Um, unlike so many people that they went as an untraditional path. I studied math in, um, in my high school and then I moved as a bachelor degree, I chose software engineering. Although I didn't really like software engineering, I always wanted to be an astronaut and astrophysics was one of, one of the dream majors I always wanted to go to, but I ended up being a software engineer because of the university locations and my parents were like, no, you have to choose the same city. Uh, we don't want you to to basically move out to a different city. It does have a lot of challenges with itself. We prefer you to be next to us, blah, blah, blah. Persian Persian culture, basically. Um, Persian parents really want their children to be next to them, although they're grown up. Uh, so I chose that university, and um, I started software engineering, although it wasn't my favorite major. And um, I wasn't really into it uh, until I built my first C++ program. And that made me really feel good making something and seeing actually what you made can you can interact with it and other people can interact with whatever code you put together. I, I think the program was just you say your name, you collect some user information and then you greet the user in return. It was a super simple C++ code. But it was so amazing to see. Wow. I was like, wow, the computer now can talk to people, can tell them their names. And this is amazing. So that that moment I got into coding and I did more programs. I start I studied different languages. I moved to learn Java. And then after that, I I got a job as a backend engineer working on Java programs at the same time I was doing my bachelor degree. And after my bachelor's degree, I did also two masters in computer science and cognitive science. Um, And then um, I basically moved to U.S. And I started another job as, again, as a software engineer, mostly focused in backend in San Francisco. And it was a year into my job that I realized, oh, I have a passion for UI because I was leading a UI project. So I was like, okay, I I really like UI, i really like to do JavaScript because of the same fact that I got into programming with that C++ code, I can see what I'm doing and people can interact with with it. So these two factors was like all the time the pivot points in my career with coding. I liked UI because I could see it and people could interact with it. So I moved from backend engineering and find another position in a different company which I can only focus on building UI applications. And I stayed in that job for almost five years. And after that, I joined Netflix. And now I'm also focusing on the UI part of our application.
0: It's interesting to hear, you know, that you you started off as a back-end engineer and then kind of transitioned to to front-end engineering. So when you were applying to first jobs, can you talk more about How you went about getting that very first job out of college and uh, did you also frame yourself as a back-end engineer
1: so my first job was when i was in the college so for that job i actually had a really hard time to get interviews because i didn't have a college degree so i ended up working getting a internship in an aerospace company which was an intersection of both of my passion, which was, you know, working on uh, with planes and, you know, space programs, and at the same time working with software. Um, and for that, to be honest, was mostly on a connection. So one of my dad's friends was a person who Actually managed a part of that company and my dad talked to him. Hey, my daughter is studying, looking for a software position job Can you help him get a job and that one was definitely a, a huge point on referral? And he actually supported me to get into the company as an intern on a summer and then um, I, I tried to prove myself that I can code and I can impact I can have an impact and then they they hired me as as a full-time um on the side of my study Uh, so for that one it was mostly a connection but for for the job first job in us out after my master's degree that one was actually a little bit tough i remembered i applied for around 140 different companies as a back-end engineer because I, I did have only back-end engineer experience. At university, I focused on building Java and C++ applications. So I didn't even know how to build a UI applications. The only thing I built was a Flash website, which was really out of date at the time I was looking for jobs. Uh, so I, I searched for a lot of jobs. I kept applying from Indeed, LinkedIn. I tried to create a really big funnel at the beginning, that means apply to as many jobs that fits what I'm looking for, um, basically working on the back backend. Um, and I didn't really think about moving to the UI at that stage because I had no idea what it means. And I felt like, okay, I'm good at Java and C++, it makes sense for me to apply for these jobs because I can do better in the interview. Um, so out of that 140 applications, I remember I got call around 10 screen initial screening um, right a week after that and from that ten initial screening end up being at the end end up being three on sites and from three on sites I got two offers and I chose basically one of them but the funnel when you look at it applying to all those all those jobs hundred to forty and you end up getting two offers at the end that was around 10 years ago. And I think now we are way better in, in, in our applications process and the companies also matured up. But 10 years ago, it was really tough to get the first job. But yeah, I never really think about, for my first job, I really never felt about going to UI because I felt I, I have no background.
0: It doesn't make sense, basically. I want to talk a little bit more about what's your experience with tech interviewing or what are a few of your takeaways or advice for someone who is going through the interview process.
1: Absolutely, so I have three main points whenever someone asks me about tech interviewing. First is social engineer the company interview, definitely know what they're going to ask you, either from things like Glassdoor, Courier Cup, going to blind is also a good place to figure out what other people experience look like. Because every company have a different way of interviewing and preparing for all those different types of interviews is almost impossible and so time consuming. As an example, if you want to go to Google and Facebook at the same time, they both have different type of questions. Google is heavily on algorithms. Facebook is heavily focusing on JavaScript and front end principle. So preparing these two together at a point that you feel like ready is, is totally hard. So really knowing what you're going to prepare and just customize all the companies that they're going to ask you those stuff that you prepared and then have a different planning of, okay, now I'm gonna do front-end interviews. If I really wanna get into Google, then I'm gonna go study algorithms. What what are the other companies that ask me algorithms? Let me interview there too. Um, So definitely know the interview process, talk to people, network with people who already work there and try to get an understanding of What does the process look like? And what are the topics that I have to study? After you figure out this do the second is definitely a study. Don't go to an interview unprepared. Even if you don't want to get a job, at least study a week or two for that. Because being unprepared is also may, uh, you know, you may lose the opportunity and that might be an opportunity. And you don't want to seem really bad in the interview. At least for me, I never go in unprepared to an interview. least i spent like a week or two to study for it and then the third thing that i always ask people is just build a good relationships with recruiters because as engineers we tend to only network with engineers we never think about networking with recruiters and sometimes that's great to build up that muscle to network with recruiters because if you're interviewing at facebook and you have a recruiter for that interview, you may have a connection, which is on another recruiter in place, in case you're stuck and you have more questions, you have multiple people to reach out to and multiple people to talk to. And sometimes there are opportunities that come your way because
0: of those connections, even if you're not looking for a job. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You mentioned networking. And um, I think a lot of us feel like before the pandemic, it was, easier to network maybe because you could go to meetups and things like that. What are your tips for, you know, networking kind of in the age of everything is remote?
1: I think for for me Clubhouse was a big advantage in terms of networking. I found it to be really great. I personally made a lot of great connections on Clubhouse and get to know people on a different level than just, you know, connecting with them on LinkedIn, because here you get to talk to them and you get to collaborate in in a different level than LinkedIn or Instagram. Um, But definitely grow your LinkedIn profile. I always say have more than 500 connections on your LinkedIn, so your profile get a standout and visible to other recruiters too. And when it comes to networking, It shouldn't always be because you need some certain people. Network with various people. Network with engineers. Network with recruiters. Network with managers. Even network with people who work outside, not software engineers. Let's say someone from product. Network with people who work on marketing. I say build your network as diverse as possible because you never know um, basically when you will need a different set of, problem solving skills and then you may need some different type of people than what's your skill and role set are to help you with it and another thing is network when you don't need those people not when you need those people it's basically i'm building that connections not because i'm needing something from anyone but just to get to know them and maybe one day we can help each other out either way Um, so start leveraging platforms like clubhouse in the age of virtual networking going to conferences is a great thing because they do have also a networking sessions if you're doing a conference online make sure the conference do have those online q a and it's not just virtual recordings that you have to listen to sometimes they do also have panels that you can go and ask questions and do that sort of networking so make sure they do have that section still although they are virtual Uh, In old days for me was conferences, but I think in new days it turned out to be uh, Clubhouse. And before Clubhouse, to be honest, I was so far away from everyone. I wasn't doing networking for a while with the pandemic and everything that happened. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was mostly in the survival mode of how to get my job done, how to excel at work, and really not thinking about Giving talks or not thinking about really networking for, for a year, for me, at, at least I was in a pause. But with Clubhouse, I think that ignites again the conversations that we can network together again in a virtual way.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you've talked before about how interviewing for jobs is not always for the purpose of getting a job, but just to learn more about the company. And so I wanted to ask, is that something that you recommend that developers do regularly is always be interviewing or what is your opinion on that?
1: I think people have different approaches when it comes to interviewing and it really depends on how people take interviews. For me, at least, I personally do interview all the time. I at least do interview every year in a fan company. Like let's say... I had an interview with Facebook last week, Um, although my goal may not be necessarily to move to Facebook at the moment, but this is really helpful for me to see how prepared I am. If I lose my job right now and I want to interview in different companies, am I prepared? How much time do I have to spend? And for me, optimizing that time to spend to study, to interview anywhere is important, at least for, for feeling safe at my job. Um, because you never know what's what's going to happen in your company. Even if you're happy at what you're doing and you think you're gonna stay there forever, you never know. Organization changes happens all the time. The company may get acquired, the work culture may change and you may not feel incompetent of staying there anymore. Uh, so you wanna be you wanna be prepared. I had mentees that this happened to them. They went to a company and the culture changed and the, the director of that org changed and and suddenly everything went in the opposite direction, and they weren't happy, and they had to work for months to get themselves up to the level of interview. Because if you, if you don't solve problems, um, you will forget them, and that's natural. If I don't do algorithms or system design questions, in two years I am going to forget even how to do a binary search. I will be rusty in coding those algorithms. So for me, it's just I have a I have this habit of solving two to three questions every week on the side to just as a fun. Um, and then constantly interviewing. If a recruiter reach out to me on a company, I'm like, okay, let's do the interview. There is no harm in doing that. Uh, but just be honest with the recruiters. Don't, don't tell them that, oh, you're 100% into this position. What I do, I, I'm always very transparent and say, you know, I'm very happy I have my job. I may not be able to move at this point. But I will do the interview anyway, Um, if it's a great opportunity. And this is how I got into Netflix. I was really happy at at my previous job. I really didn't want to move out of that company. Everything was great for me, but I just did an interview with Netflix and it ended up being, oh, this is something I really interested in. And now I want to move because you never know what's the next opportunity will be. So for me, I'm always doing interviews. Um, At least once a year, I'll do interview with like different fan companies. This year was Facebook. Maybe next year is Google or maybe the companies I'm really interested to learn what they're doing. Like Cruise was one of them when I interviewed that there because I really like to see the culture, what they're actually working on, how they approach engineering problems, really assessing those companies and going as an interviewer is the best way because you are also assessing the company and you get signals around how the culture look like in those companies. For me as a mentor, that's really important because I give advice to people that how that culture looks like, is this company a right fit for you? So for me, knowing that is super important. So I either have a strong connections with recruiters and I do rigorously interview in these companies to be able also to
0: give advice to my mentees, which is really realistic. I think that that's really good advice. I, I've recently been preparing for job interviews, not to leave my job, but to do just what you described, right? You never know what's going to happen and it's good to stay prepared. I think my problem has been in the past, just thinking of the, I guess, time commitment that interviewing can take and all the extra time that goes into it. And I think a lot of us tend to do this and just say, oh, it's going to be so much time to be interviewing somewhere and that process. And so then we don't do it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Interviewing is time consuming and it's stressful. To be honest, I had an interview last year with Facebook. I know I'm not going to go there. there There's nothing wrong that I have to get this job. But I was super stressed about the interview anyway, because it's a judgment call, because you get on a call that someone else going to judge you. And definitely it is stressful. I say regarding preparation, that's why I'm saying start preparing when you are not interviewing actively. And that should happen before. What I do for myself is just creating the system. Like every Friday, I, I do solve three questions in the morning before I, I start my job. Um, and sometimes I, do, I don't I do even code. I just look at other people, how they code it. So the, just having that muscle memory in my brain of like, OK, how what was the algorithm solving for Like binary search? How the code look like? OK, this is how it is. Um, I mean, this is how we do the recursion, and that's it. Sometimes I don't even code it, but just exposing yourself to these problems once in a while, if, if it's a, once a week or once a month, let's say beginning or mid of the month, you're going to solve three problems when you are not interviewing, can, solve, can send you a lot of times. When you're interviewing, then you don't need to rigorously um, prepare yourself. This happened to me before, I was not doing any studies when I when I was at my previous job for 5 years. And when I started to interview, I was super rusty. I couldn't believe myself like I I forgot like how to do a singleton pattern. I was very rusty in coding that. And that happens because we don't use a lot of these algorithms at work or a lot of these questions that has been asked in an interviews. We don't really use it, so we get rusty over time. Um, and that feeling that time was an awakening call, at least for me, that you have to study constantly, just not to be like this, not to start from like below zero point. At least when you start interviewing, you have some foundational knowledge, so you can go to an interview directly with that foundational knowledge. So, yeah, definitely create that system that can help you put the study time when, when you are not interviewing. And when people are interviewing, I always tell them, I know it's going to take a lot of time, but don't quit your current job just because of studying on an interview. Because you never know also if, how much it's going to take you to get a job. And it varies. It's not all about you. It varies in the, from the industry, on the, on the job climate. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes I saw people who were really good at coding, who studied and prepared really well. But it took them four or five months to find a job. They thought they are going to get a job in the first interview because they were that prepared. But it's, a lot of things is outside the interviewer control. Um, sometimes it's internal fields. Sometimes the company switched their rack. Sometimes there are other people who have other qualities that fit in that job. So you never know how much it will take. Although it's hard to prepare, but keep your job and try to have a system so you can handle both at the same time.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice, especially not taking it so personally. If you do get
1: rejected, like you said,
0: there's many different factors at play, including luck.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you know, I've, I'm unfortunately I still see bias also play a role in an interview. As still, I do see it. Um, I heard one of my friends interviewed at a company, which I don't want to get an a name, but uh, they were really. Um, they were really being discriminated. And it was really obvious the discrimination in the interview. Um, so we still see that is happening in, in the company. The bias is still there, unfortunately. And the factor of luck and how your resume... In a lot of companies, the people who interviewed you are not necessarily the people who make the judgment call to hire you. And that's also another factor because they don't know how you did in an interview. They solely look at your outcome and they may say okay i i'm going with this person because now i like this person outcome more than this one the personal preferences is in there if i'm somewhere that i personally prefer someone who is easygoing and good to talk to this is like one of the biases i personally t- look for and trying to work on myself i know i am biased toward people who are easy to talk to like if i'm doing an interview and someone is talking to me pretty easy, they're communicating really greatly, it's easy-going person, I am most likely to give that person a higher score. But what I know that I'm trying to be aware of that because if someone is not having, like, it's not easygoing or I'm not enjoying a conversation with someone, that necessarily doesn't mean that person is not a right fit for the role So being aware of your biases is super important. So we can create environments for interviewees who is bias-free. Don't try to make a judgment right on an interview because we are all responsible for those interviews. So call out your biases. Know that what you're biased on. And when you interview, be responsible for those biases that you have and call them out constantly that, okay, do I make that decision because I like the conversation or was that other factor? For me, at least, I know what I'm biased on when I'm doing interview and I'm trying to factor it in when I make a judgment call.
0: Yeah, definitely. I want to shift to talking about growing as an engineer. This is something that I'm really excited to talk about uh, because for me, you know, I'm a couple of years in now professionally working as developer and I absolutely want to make sure that I keep growing. I know there's that Reed Hoffman quote. It's something like, for many people, 20 years of experience is one year of experience repeated 20 times. And that's something that I think a lot of us are kind of afraid of that happening to us. But so I know it's kind of like a big question, but, you know, what would you say to someone like me? I'm a few years in and I want to make sure that I grow as an engineer. How can one do that?
1: This is a super big question. I guess the, <laughs> yeah. first, the first step in, in growing is getting to know yourself. And that's super important because you should know what are the gaps or what are the areas you want to grow on before you actually taking a step into growing direction and self-reflection is super important part of anyone's journey, either in your life or in your career, taking those times to sit and think about yourself. Think about what are your strengths? What are the areas that you need to improve on? What's your personality trait? Does, do we all know what are our personalities look like I mean at least for me I didn't know like until a couple of years ago that oh like wh- am I an introvert am I an extrovert really thinking about it how do I how do I communicate with people how do I talk to people uh what makes me happy what makes me happy in 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 a work relation and what what drives me at work what type of person I am am I does impact drives me, does technology drives me, really thinking about yourself overall and try to understand that personality traits that within you, it can be the first step in growth and that's actually the first major step and one of the hardest steps in growth is just knowing yourself and that sounds easy but it's not as easy as we think. Sometimes you have to go outside your comfort zone and ask other feedback um, from other people. I I may go and talk to my friends, like, what do you think, like, how do you think I am? Do you think I'm an introvert and extrovert? How do you think I'm, like, talk to people? I really like to understand myself from other people's lenses and see how they see me interacting, how they see me, how they see my personality. When you know yourself, then you can start growing. Then you can start identifying strengths, and then over time you get these patterns of feedback from people. One of the patterns of feedback I got is is like, okay, you're nice. You can influence people. I heard it again and again from different different mentors I had or different people I've worked with. So I put that as one of my strengths. I heard something that, oh, you're super organized. And looking through my life, I see that, that, oh yeah, yeah. I like organizations. I like bringing order from chaos. I like doing things that is ordered and I'm really good on, and taking a project, which is a mess and putting it in an ordered set of sequences to, to get it successful. Knowing that my manager and know that my manager knows that. So he puts me in the projects that is chaotic, it's ambiguous. I know that's one of my strengths is dealing with ambiguity, not only at work, but also in my life. If something is ambiguous, I can get in, I can control it, I can organize it, and I can make success out of it. If something is super orderly when I get in, that's not where my huge impacts come in. So really getting to know yourself, then you can help you identify those growth areas, identify those things that you can take on to have bigger impact. So that would be my first step and first thing to tell you, just set that systematic reflection times, even if it's in weekends. Um, I do have this spreadsheet at work. Every Friday, end of the Friday, I just sit one hour. It's a block time on my calendar. I don't take meetings. I just sit and think about my week. I don't, I don't do anything than thinking. What I did this week. How did I interact with my colleagues? How did I do in this project? What were the areas I could do better? Um, Last year, I um, last week I actually put out a document out there, and then looking back at it, I'm like, okay, I could have like communicated this differently. Now I'm looking back at it. If I do that next time, I will definitely communicate this document in a different way. So it's really identifying those moments. This is the key moments to growth. Identifying how you did and what you can do better. You either get feedback from people, but mostly the feedback shouldn't be surprise to you. Every feedback I get from people, I already know it because I already reflected on it. Nothing is ever a surprise to me. So definitely take those moments and do self-reflections.
0: Definitely. What do you think you would say to, I think there's a lot of people who feel like they're they want to grow, but they feel like they're not growing at their job. Have you been in a situation like that before? Or what would your advice be to people who just feel like they're not really growing in their current role?
1: Yeah, this reminds me of the uh, blog post I wrote on, on pivot points. And, you know, sometimes um, it's, it, is a, it is a possibility that we are in a role that doesn't favor us anymore that not only we are not growing, but but we are actually taking an opposite path. We are stagnating. And um, what is happening in that role is actually taking your skill away and not adding anything to your career. So at that point, that's actually um, an alarm. And we talked about that. We never know what happens in any company. Things change and that may impact you. And when they start impacting you, that's the time that you have to pivot. You have to find another role that challenges you and it still makes you grow. Um, And this is also connected to self-reflection of knowing yourself and making sure this is exactly right. This, I know myself, I'm not growing. This role is not a right fit for me. But for those people who are stuck, I said there are a lot of positions out there that can be a better suitable positions for you and provide challenges to grow. It's important to prepare ourselves at that moment, maybe take some time to have a plan for interviews, uh, talk to recruiters and before even going talking outside, maybe there is something else in your company that can help you. I had a mentee who were in a similar situation in a position that weren't really sitting here. The manager was really micromanaging. They were imposing a lot of weird projects and weird things for her to do, like big refactoring in a short amount of time. So she started to tell me that I'm not, not only I'm not growing, but I'm losing it. I'm losing my motivation to come to work every day. I'm losing my motivation to become a software engineer. These are alarming. When you have those feelings, means that you have to look outside. So, first thing I proposed to her is go talk to your director and change teams. Is there a, is there any other good team in the same company that you can move to and you can just move to a different culture or a team that can you think it can make it grow? And for her, it wasn't changing company. So she changed teams to a different uh, part of the organization with a different manager, a different director, and now she's leading great projects. So you don't necessarily need to look outside in the first place. If something is wrong, try to look inside your company and see if there are opportunities for you to switch teams or move to different part of the company that you can still be impactful and you start to grow again and get challenged. If not, then if the company as a whole is disrupted and there is nothing for you, nothing more for you there, that that means that it's, it's time to look outside. And I I highly encourage you not to stay in a position that you're
0: actually not
1: growing in any company.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's, yeah, we can tend to throw in the towel too soon maybe instead of just maybe trying to look for different teams within a company like you said.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I do always recommend look inside before you go outside because it's easier to find a job within the same company than going out there and interviewing for different roles. You also have this a lot of uh, business knowledge when you go within the company that you take with you to a different, different team. So you can leverage that as a strength. And that's something I always talk about is that when, you, when you're pivoting, what is, what is the strength food that you're actually using? What are those strengths that you're going to rely on in the brand new team? And when you're moving internally, definitely knowing the company is the biggest strength that you take with you. When you make an external move, that is no longer on a strength because you're moving to a brand new company.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like companies don't want to lose these employees. They'd rather have you switch teams to a better fit than quit altogether, right? They, they don't want to lose this employee that they've trained, that they know works there and kind of knows their, knows what they do pretty well and the onboarding cost and everything. Absolutely. We
1: as engineers, we always think that interviewing is hard but i've been a manager before and i i've been on interview panels but i'm telling you hiring is even harder i definitely don't want to lose anyone on my team i i want to keep them i want to move them within the company because it's so costly for a company to hire someone and it's so costly to lose an engineer on a team it's gonna have a huge cost on that company when when they lose engineers so they definitely, as you said, Madison, I'm totally agree with you. You definitely companies like to move you within the company. We see actually in the pandemic, this is actually getting a little bit higher than before because hiring right now is even harder with everything being virtual. So companies prefer to fill in the roles internally, more, more, rather than going
0: externally and look for candidates. Absolutely. Naz, I just wanted to say thanks so much for talking to me and coming on the show. And could you share for anyone who is listening and who wants to reach you, uh, what's a good way for them to get in contact with you or follow your work?
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Madison, for studying this time. And thank you for having me. It was an absolute honor and pleasure being on the same stage with you. And to everyone in the audience, definitely follow Madison. She is absolutely amazing. She is an advocate for any engineer, and she has done great mentorship through time, and she has proven herself to be a great career coach. So definitely she is one of the go-to persons in the industry and follow her work. Um, If you want to get in touch with me, my contact is on my bio. Uh, Get in touch with me either through My Twitter or through Instagram is is a better way than LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is really plotted with a lot of messages. So I may lose your message if you message me on LinkedIn, but definitely follow up with me on Instagram or Twitter. And uh, just to pull it out there, I'm also hiring for Netflix for UI engineers. So if you're interested working with me on my team, or if you're interested working in Netflix, Overall, I'm more than happy to help you with that too.